welcome to episode 7 of the Freelance Heroes podcast, I'm Ed Goodman, episode 7, where has time gone? Now in recent weeks we've been looking at our mental well-being of freelancing and covering stress, anxiety, the imposter syndrome and more, but this week we're focusing on our physical well-being and how we can ensure that we treat our bodies well during our sedentary lives and work. So we'll be talking to physiotherapist Catherine Pedden and I'll be putting your questions to her, so thank you very much for them. And during these questions, I'll be looking at our posture in our chairs and the exercises we can do while we're on those calls or or carrying out our client work. We'll be looking at ergonomic chairs and sit-stand desks as well. A lot of questions you've raised, so we need to get through it now. And I'd love to hear what changes as a result. So uh, do afterwards email me, podcast at freelance-heroes.com or search for the hashtag Freelance Heroes across social media. Okay, are you ready for your own personal physiotherapy lesson? Then let's get to it. Enjoy. Uh, Kat, I'm delighted that you could uh, spend some time answering the questions of the Freelance Heroes community today. So, so thank you very much for joining us. Oh, um, I, I, I'm curious to know, first of all, um, how long, have, not so much how long have you been involved in physiotherapy and especially your part of physiotherapy, but what is it that, that drew you to it in the first place? Well, going back way before I started it, um, Back in 2005, I did a massage course because I fancied it. Um, and I found it very interesting because they insisted that we learn all the anatomy and physiology as well, which I found myself surprised to enjoy because before that, I'd very much been an arts and humanities kind of person. I used to be a photographer. I, my degree was in history. Um, and I'd never really thought about science particularly, but I really enjoyed that aspect. Fast forward a few years, I worked in um, adult social care and health through the county council in Nottinghamshire. Um, and again, unexpectedly, I found myself in, a, in the role that was actually about workforce planning, but it meant that I worked with care homes and went into a lot of care homes and saw the elderly um, and the state that a lot of them were in. And it just really struck me how, you know, we're all get every day, we'll get older. And, and do I want this to be my future or my parents' future? And what was the solution to that? What I also found in the council that was that we did have meetings about meetings about meetings. And that wasn't really the kind of again, the future career that I really wanted. I wanted to be with people and I wanted to make a difference one-to-one. And so I literally wrote a list of all the things that I didn't enjoy about my existing work situation. And without trying to think too hard, wrote the opposite on the next column. Um, and I ended up with a, you know, a list of positive attributes to look for in a new career. And then I looked for a career to fit that. And having looked around, looked into things like teaching and so on, because I used to be a trainer. And there were lots of things like that one-to-one and uh, educating people that fitted but physio also educates constantly but it's quite active and it's quite inspiring in many cases but you can also make a huge impact on people's lives and it just yeah, ticked all my boxes um, and so I applied for uni and luckily at the time there was an NHS bursary that meant I could pay my mortgage because um, it would be my second degree uh, as a mature student and yeah so I, I went for it and it was scary and terrifying but also best and hardest decision I've made but I've, I've stuck to it and it's been brilliant. 
I, I do I just already and we haven't even gone into this I love this idea of writing down all the negatives about your current life and then just writing the opposite to that I think that's yeah, a, a lesson that um, that, <laughs> that we may already be teaching those who listen it takes, uh, it takes you... the overthinking out of it because I've tried it with a few friends and they've they've already been looking for the job that you know what's the job title but that don't think about that the first stage to think what's the opposite of what you don't like at the moment and then then it goes from there no it uh, works. I like it. I like it a lot. And um, and I think even if it's just a part of the role that needs to change, um, especially when we're being presented with some unpredicted challenges, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great tool that I don't doubt some listeners will uh, adopt to help overcome it. So already, thank you for that. And we're like a minute into this. No, we're done. Fine. So, <laughs> lovely to talk to you. Bye for now. Um, could you, first of all, and that sounds like an obvious question, but explain a bit more about what physiotherapy actually is. Because I suspect me included, there's a few misconceptions that we see a physiotherapist fix an issue that might have come through being sitting down too long or sports related and then off we go in our merry way. But I suspect it's more than that. Well, it can just be that. It depends on your physio and it depends on your what you want out of it as well. If that's what you want, then you will get that. You might get extra stuff on top, but essentially if you want to be given an exercise and sent on your merry way, as you say, then that can be what it is. But physical therapy... Um, is not just massage, as Chris Evans used to say on Radio 2, whenever, whenever anyone who was a physical interviewed is like, oh, so you do lots of massages and stuff. It, it is that, and I love doing hands-on manual therapy, but it's not just about, you know, stroking people's backs and so on. Um, so physical therapy is hands-on muscular relief or joint mobilization, but it's also education, exercise prescription, and championing those people to, to progress because I'm very lucky in private practice that anyone who comes to me has decided that they are ready to come and pay for a service and they are ready to make, take the action that's required. Um, in the NHS sector, it's harder for the physios there because people are sort of referred to them. And quite often you'd see someone with a bit of knee pain, but they wouldn't really have the motivation to solve that knee pain or be willing to discuss the lifestyle factors that could, that actually maybe were causing the knee pain in the first place. Sometimes things aren't solved by, uh, by an exercise or they're only partially solved by an exercise. So physio, I think I'm going off on a tangent already. Keep going. Physio, if, from, from my perspective, physio is about what, they, what we call the biopsychosocial approach. So biological, uh, is obviously, you know, my leg hurts. The psycho is how do you feel about that? Are you like, are you quite robust with pain? Are you like, oh, you know, I've just left it for six weeks because I thought it would go away. Or is it actually really getting you down? You know, are you terrified this pain is going to get worse? So I had a young lady, she's mid twenties in tears because her knees hurt because her mother had chronic arthritis and she was terrified that that was going to affect her. Um, turned out she'd done too many squats at the gym. Her knees had really stiffened up and we just needed to literally do some foam rolling and she was absolutely fine. But that's the psychological aspect. How do you deal with your injury psychologically? And then the social aspect of it is a kind of link to the social side, uh, to the psychological side, sorry. But how is this affecting your work? That can, again, be psychological. How could you use your, your social circle to help your recovery? Could you join a running group? Could you work in a different working space? Um, could you collaborate potentially with other healthcare professionals, so a nutritionist or a dietitian and so on. Um, so it's looking at those sort of nice Venn diagram of all the different areas of your life to benefit your physical wellness. And as we all know, of course, your physical wellness, as we'll probably get onto later, massively affects your mental wellness. So a good physio will always take that approach of all three because a knee pain is never just a knee pain. It's how you feel about it and how it affects your life as well. I guess maybe I'm guilty of not really thinking it quite the same way. Like right now, without this becoming a consultation, so I have a shoulder that's been quite painful for weeks and always sleeps when I 
always hurts when I roll over onto that side of my body. But you know, I just kind of press on throughout the day. It's not a constant pain. It's 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 um it's there. But I never really thought that when you have these physical pains, and it's quite handy, especially in in um, the last few weeks, we've been talking so much about mental well-being that I imagine for freelancers, this can cause an impact on the growth or or, or their the productivity side of their business as well. Absolutely, yeah. If that's your, if that's the shoulder or the arm, say it didn't convert your injury to say a wrist pain, and you have to spend all your day at a computer, but it's you know genuinely causing you pain to do your job, and your job is linked to your entire source of income, and you have to you know in lockdown it everything's harder. You can see how that snowballs into potentially a bigger worry for for people who think differently about pain, or maybe aren't used to pain, or or maybe have too much pain in their life already. All those kind of things. Um, so yeah, it might not impact you because. You're a bit like my dad and that he'll just like ignore it and use the other arm until it falls off you know we just get on with it and that that can be brilliant it's great that people don't worry too much about their injuries but equally there are many patients who come and i just think this is just would have been so much easier to fix if you'd actually address this sooner so i guess one big thing that i love about physio and that i try and hammer home to people is that it's about your attitude to your own health and the the greatest feeling I get from physio is where people walk out of the room thinking more positively about their body and look wanting to look after it in the future so it's not often rocket science and so if someone came to me with knee pain and they were in tears about it but then six months later that knee pain occurred I don't want them to be going oh my god it's come back it's the end of the world I want them to go I remember what Catherine said I'll just try the foam rolling and I'll just look up you know her latest video or maybe I'll just pop in for half an hour because I've got a confidence that there's a solution maybe rather than catastrophizing everything straight off um, and wanting to fix that problem rather than just ignoring it because it's too scary. You specialize in musculoskeletal physiotherapy. What's that? Uh, I do. So it is what it says on the tin. It's muscles and bones, which is the majority of stuff. So it's your bog standard day-to-day physio, sports injuries, back pain, uh, osteoarthritis, neck pain. Um, the reason it's got a title like that is because actually, and I discovered this when I went to uni there's loads of other types of physio so there's stroke recovery physio there's respiratory physio there's pediatric there's amputees so it's not that musculoskeletal is anything particularly fancy in fact it's the basic language of all physio but it's the one you commonly see out and about you don't have to be in hospital for it um but it's got a long name because that's that's science um i also do women's health as well so anti and postnatal pelvic and abdominal recovery and, and all the other back pains and so, so on that goes with that as well you know, until you mentioned it, I was so confident I pronounced that word correctly, but um, it would appear, well, close enough. Um, okay, so um, ironically, and I didn't include this uh, when I asked you to be a guest, is that we're going to answer some questions to try and prevent people needing to see a physiotherapist. No, you put uh, me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of people have asked questions, and I've got one to start with. Now, you are um, you're in the joys of uh, motherhood with your firstborn born um, seven months ago. Um, so you're not practicing at this precise moment while you look after your newborn. So, but my question to you is as a physiotherapist, and this question is relevant, of course, to anyone who might need to see one, how's the, the patient physio relationship work in a kind of lockdown easing world? Uh, so do you mean, how does, an, how does an assessment session go? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, um, as I say, I'm not practicing, but obviously I've been keeping up with what the regulations say. So up until now, up until a few weeks ago, we have been by our governing body told that unless we absolutely must, you know, unless there's a risk to life or overwhelming, overwhelming well-being, 
with us not seeing them, then we shouldn't see them. So again, respiratory physios, people with COVID-19 will be having respiratory physio in hospital. So those physios absolutely must go to work. Equally, if you've just had a stroke, those physios are not going to be isolating at home. They're going to be cracking on making sure you can sit upright, progress to walking and so on. Um, but musculoskeletal physios with people, you know, who've got a dodgy ankle or a stiff neck, we're seen as non-essential, which is actually a lovely place to be for us because, you know, it's not, you're not, we're not dealing with people at death's door all the time. Um, so we have been told to be at home and not working, not opening our clinics. Um, lots of us have been doing video physio which actually has been much more successful than a lot of us anticipated um especially in you know from my perspective i'm very hands-on i'm very tactile i feel the muscle because it can tell me how it's responding and so on and you can feel people's movement but there is a lot you can do by chatting to people by observing their exercises by demonstrating to them um, and as long as your signal's all right it has been successful and the great thing is obviously it's not just physio that's gone down the pan of course everyone at the other end totally understands that we're doing our best in a really difficult situation so i, I don't some people have priced a little bit less some people have priced the same because it's their time and expertise still um but everyone's been really accommodating and flexible but still hoping to get the best they can out of the situation Okay, um, which is, I guess, very reassuring to know from a patient's perspective, as well as obviously from yours too. Now, we've got a, quite a few questions that have been submitted from uh, the Freelance Heroes community, and we don't know the context behind some of these. So let's crack through as many as we can in our allotted time. Um, and I'm going to go through the order of which they were given, and I, I suspect there might be some crossover or we might jump to some. Anyway, um, so the first question is, how do you avoid neck pain from screen time working from home now freelancers have been often working from home for a long time before covid kicked in but equally many people have started freelancing as a result of employment changes so yeah there's the question so i think this and as you say there might be a little bit of repetition in the questions there are quite a few that are similar how can i avoid neck pain while working how can i avoid back pain while working and so mm. on so Ultimately, it comes down to posture. And believe it or not, in the physio world, there's a big old debate going on about whether posture is important or not, um, whether it matters. Um, I would say absolutely yes. Um, because I, I think had no idea that it was ever up for debate. I, really? There was just an assumption that it was it, your posture was pretty critical. You'd think, wouldn't you? Um, the debate is because there are actually plenty of people out there with less than ideal perfect posture who don't have any pain at all. So I think what the debate was trying to get, uh, get across to people was that if you don't, you don't worry if you haven't got perfect posture all the time. Don't let that worry give you tension in your neck and shoulders while you're worrying about it. Don't put yourself in crazy positions or spend 500 pounds on a chair if you don't have any pain anyway. You know, don't worry about too much about your teenager slumping unless you know, they obviously have, yeah, as, as long as they can stand up straight when they want to, not they haven't got the strength to be upright. But from my perspective, Yes, it is incredibly important from not just from a visual looking tall and straight perspective, but from other things. So, for example, if you're sitting in a slump position, you can't breathe as well because your diaphragm and your ribs, your ribs are compressed and your diaphragm doesn't have much space. So you end up breathing through quite shallowly through your shoulders and your chest, your upper chest. And that in itself can lead to muscular pain because those muscles are not designed to breathe. It's your rib muscles and your diaphragm that are designed to breathe. So posture just by tilting, being a bit slouched forward can affect your breathing. This actually then, in more extreme circumstances, can affect your blood, um, your blood oxygen. It goes into very complicated stuff about circulation and so on. And I'm not, don't want to worry anybody, but longer term, you know, you know the fight or flight 
um, response. So when you are stressed, you tighten your shoulders, you start to breathe through your mouth, your blood comes you know, to your muscles and so on. Um, that's a kind of physiological response that it has lots of connecting factors. If you sit in a kind of slump position, that will also have physiological factors. Um, such as, you know, if you sit in a kind of depressed position, that actually can affect your mood. In the same way that if you frown, that will have a feedback mechanism to your brain that things aren't quite right. In the same way that somebody smiles at you and you will automatically smile back, you'll suddenly feel a bit lifted. So the way you hold your posture affects your physiology. And it also, research has shown, affects how people see you as well. So if you seem sort of slumped and limped and all that, then actually people will view you less positively. So this is going to be a challenge to do this in an audible fashion. But the obvious question it feels to me to ask is, what is a good posture? What are the things that we need to be aware of specifically? Well, I thought what would be best is to talk you through how to position yourself at a desk, because that kind of incorporates a lot of the questions that have been asked. And it makes you think, oh, yeah, I can, I can feel the difference. So first... It's a, I should be saying this before because everyone's going to do the posture thing, but at some point in the week, get somebody in your household to sneak into your office and take a picture of you without you looking. So you can see... And then when you have, can you please share it using the hashtag <laughs> Freelance Heroes or post it to the Freelance Heroes community. That is your That'd midweek selfie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a great one. I mean, it, it's all for laughs, you know, but it is very revealing. Because um, it's your comfy position. You wouldn't be in that position if it was painful, but it's probably not going to be optimal. And that's often because the chair or the situation you're in is not ideal. The key thing, if you, read, if you forget everything else I say, is to fit your environment to you. So Ed, you're about a foot taller than me, right? Possibly more. Um, so your desk is not going to be any good for me and vice versa. Not so, sure how good it is for me, quite frankly, but there you go. Well, we're just about to find out. <laughs> so, if you can get to your... So sit at your desk. If you perch on the sort of front of your chair. Yep. Are your feet <laughs> flat on the floor? Yes. Okay. Can you put your hands on your hip bones? So just, everyone's going to say something about, oh, I can't find my hip bones at this point. Um, <laughs> try and put your hands around the side of your pelvis and identify where the bony bits are on both yep. sides. Yes. Okay, right. So now, if you're sitting at your desk, can you stick your feet out in front of you and cross your ankles over just ahead of you? That's While my hands are on my hips? Yeah, so okay. you can feel what your hips do. That's it. So yep. what have your hips done? They've just firmed up. Firmed I up? Think, yeah, well, <laughs> The, the, so I guess, well, if I'm feeling my hip bone, as I lean, as I put my legs out, then mm -hmm. I feel more of the, the skin and muscle and, dare I say, fat around it kind of form mm -hmm. around my hand if it's on the hip, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> See, this is why this is, I haven't done any video consultations yet, so this is good learning curve for me. What I meant was, what ha and I can see what happens, when you stick your legs forward, your pelvis tilts back. Yes. Yeah? And I can see you lean back quite And I do, yeah. My back, my back is then drawn back as a result. Yeah. So now if you then put your feet in the opposite position, so tuck your feet underneath your chair and cross your ankles underneath your chair. Yeah. Yeah. What does that do to the position of your pelvis? So it's now leant forward. Yeah, exactly. So your pelvis, just from sitting in with your feet in two different places, has completely changed everything else that happens up the chain to the top of your head. Right. So I would always start yes. with your feet. So there's plenty of little ladies like me out there with little angled foot, foot rests. I would say get rid of that because if your feet are angled, then that is going to tilt your pelvis back into a slump. So you've got to get your feet flat on something. Even if you're not tall enough to get them on the floor, your feet need to be flat on something. And then that puts your pelvis in a not tilted forward, not tilted back, but a neutral position where you're sitting on your sitting bones, which are the knobbly bits underneath your bum. Now, you mentioned at the start of that sitting at the front of my chair, and I assume that's just part of the litmus test, that ultimately it's 
just to, you know to prove the point more than anything that actually it's about the feet not about sitting i mean do i need to sit as far back in the chair as possible is that as important so that my the lower spine is supported by the back of the chair what you need to do is to bring the chair to you so first things first is to find that pelvic neutral which is not tilted forward not tilted back just to the pelvis so if you stick your hands underneath your bottom and find the two bony bits right in the middle not in the middle sorry the middle of each cheek yep that's it and again slump slump backwards yeah yeah and you'll feel those knobbly bits go forwards yeah and if you stick your bottom right out you'll feel they tilt back and you want to find the middle of that where your hands are getting crushed by the bony bits at the bottom of your pelvis okay and that is that's your pelvic neutral so now everything else needs to come to you that doesn't need to be at the front of the chair that could be mostly towards the back but you shouldn't lean back into your backrest. Your backrest should come to you and support your back where your pelvis is in neutral. Does that make sense? It does. And so, and that's kind of as important as, so while in a situation you've got pelvic neutral and your feet flat on the floor and then everything else around you fits to yeah. that. The only other thing that I would add, and this is equally important, is that your knees need to be slightly lower than your hips. And in, in all the ergonomic drawings I've ever seen, knees are always seen as level, like 90 degrees from hips. And that's not good because, again, if you put your hands on your hip bones or hands on your hips and lift your, one of your knees up above 90 degrees, you'll feel it already tips your pelvis back when your knee is mm. up to the same level. Yeah? So if your knees are higher up, then you're already being pushed back into a slump. If your pelvis is tilted back, then you can see, or well, you can try it, your shoulders immediately come forward. And then you're compressing your ribs, your diaphragm, your stomach, and you're not breathing. When your chest is forward, your chin, therefore, needs to come up. And therefore, you end up with tightness at the back of your head and tightness in your shoulders. If you can straighten up your pelvis, everything stacks beautifully. Fantastic. I, I, <laughs> like magic. Okay, let's move slightly further up the body then with our elbows. Yep. So we've looked at how the chair can fit around our lower spine and our pelvic neutral position. Yeah. And I've always been believed that our arms should be or our elbows should be at a 90 degree angle. Okay. But I suspect it's more scientific than that. Uh, the angle is fine. 90 degrees is fine. It's more about uh, where you're reaching to. Right. So basically, your arms are not designed to be out in front of you all the time. They're, you know, they're designed to hang comfortably by your side. So yes, your elbow can be at neutral, but is it roughly within, um, you know, within 10, 20 centimetres of your side or is it reaching way forward? So I had one lady who had chronic shoulder neck pain on her right-hand side and we could not work out, you know, we did all the exercises because she was weak in her mid-back. We did loads of stuff to improve it. We couldn't get rid of that last 10, 20% of her discomfort. So I finally got her colleague, who happened to be another client, to take a picture of her in the office. It took ages for him to get around to it, but it was immediately obvious what her problem was. She got into the habit of her mouse being right up next to her computer. So she was reaching forward with this shoulder, which again slumped that shoulder down and caused neck pain on the same side. All we did is took a pile of books and stuck it where she normally put her mouse. So she physically couldn't reach forward as much. So the mouse was brought much more into her zone. Just me thing down. So it's much more here and here than out there. Sorry, that's no good for visual, is it? No, You've described it brilliantly for anyone ordering. I can see. Not there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, much more over her lap than a head away over the desk. And that shoulder pain, the last 10, 10 20% evaporated because she wasn't putting that load on her shoulder so in answer to your question the elbows should be happily by your side reaching forward a little bit but not reaching forward forward um, this is going to lead to a question about armrests isn't it because lots of chairs have lovely armrests that are sit nicely by your side but they clash on the edge of the desk 
if that's the case, let the desk be your armrest. You might have paid hundreds of pounds for this chair, but get rid of the armrest if it's not letting you be near enough to your desk that you're having to reach forward and slump. Does that make sense? It does. That's, um, well, we're going to get onto chairs in, in a moment anyway. Um, but when it comes to the posture, we've dealt with arms, pelvis and hips and, well, and um, your flats of your feet as well. Um, what else should we be considering? I suspect having your screen at eye level so that you're not putting pressure on the higher part of your back looking down. I guess that's as important too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think most, I think people think that's common knowledge. You're, you know, your screen should come to your eye level and that's fine. Um, but I've got quite a cool fun trick. So can you pop, get your index fingers, both of them, and stick them behind your head. So just run your hand down the back of your head and you'll find there's a little dip behind the bottom of your skull. Mm -hmm. And yep, got that. across that bit there, you should feel a bit of meaty muscle there. Yep. Okay, now keep your head still. And now move your eyes left to right. Whoa. It's like action man, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't, never knew you could do that. Okay, I'll be doing so this for the rest of the day. <laughs> so the ways to kill time while do? you're queuing to go to the supermarket. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> so what do your eyes do every day, all day, when you're at a computer? What do your eyes do when you're at a computer? Mm. Um, well, usually just stare forward at the screen. Yeah, but they also go left to right constantly, don't they? I guess, because depending on how close that screen is to you, yes, absolutely. Yeah. They, they, generally, you're constantly reading things. Yes. So that movement that you felt at the back of your neck yep. is also going eight, ten hours a day. So no wonder people get tension right at the back of their neck. Because it's also the eye movement as well as the, the forward-back posture. So... In terms of the shoulders and the neck, yes, your screen should come up to your eye level. I think lots of people know that already. And if that's the case of simply putting a couple of box files underneath your laptop, which is what I have in my office, or had in my office, um, that solves the problem. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be in any kind of way expensive. I'm sure we've all got box files that we think, you know, we should be using more. <laughs> so you, you, let's use them. Um, again, if you've got difficulty with vision or, you, you know, don't find yourself peering at the screen, make sure that your fonts are big enough, you know, that you're not having to squint and peer forward. Um, uh, what's the other thing so that's height really by now if you've sorted out your feet your knees being lower than your hips your pelvis and your lower back the rest of it you should feel actually is much more comfortable um, what I'd suggest in terms of your lower back is to say bringing the backrest to you but it might be that no chair is going to come that far forward once you've got everything set up nicely so stuff a big pillow down the back of your chair between you and, between you and the backrest that's the best way again to bring the furniture to you as soon as you conform to something that's been made for everybody, it's not going to fit anybody. So you've got to make sure you've got your favorite cushion or your jacket or a little lumbar support or whatever. Anything that helps you feel comfortable that your feet are flat on the floor, knees lower than your hips, pelvis is a neutral. And everything will just stack so nicely once those things are in place. So we're now beautifully set up our body and as a result our mind is better supported as a result mm -hmm. but we the freelancer life is very often a sedentary life and we can sit for hours bar the unless the uh, biscuit tin is out of reach um without <laughs> moving so or at least set for hours because we're working on our business or clients so what's the best thing to do in terms of exercise and fine i can understand that maybe go for a uh, a, a run or a walk but i mean even as a minimum what should what should we be doing to to make sure that we're getting the blood sufficiently running through our body while sat at our desk for so many hours well i think you had the answer right there ed you get your children to hide the biscuit tin <laughs> <laughs> and just go on a treasure hunt every hour <laughs> i like it i'll make a note of that anything else uh yeah there's other stuff um so 
obviously get up walk around usually get a drink um don't always go for the caffeine maybe alternate it every every cup of tea have two glasses of water or something similar um that's straying into obviously a different profession of nutrition, but it's basic stuff. Make sure you're hydrated because you'll think better, you'll get more done, you'll feel less lethargic and so on. I'm a big fan of yoga and it, I know it's not for everybody in terms of, you know, super duper oms and spiritualness, but it, it's absolutely brilliant. The more I learn about it in terms of physiology, it's such a complete network of movements and postures that just covers everything. It does both sides. It does front back, side to side, twists, rotate, all sorts of things. So the short answer I would recommend is to do a sun salutation which is a sequence of movements that takes literally about a minute, but you do them in a, in a routine sequence. You might do three or four or five rounds of that routine um, just on the floor of your, of your office. It doesn't take more than a, a sort of body length, six foot worth of floor, just as narrow as you are. Um, and it does, it does forward bends, it does back bends, it does deep abdominal breathing that again gets your lungs and your chest moving. And it does a little bit of sort of downward stuff. So your head is lower and just get lots more blood to your brain. There's also the moon salutation, which is much less well known, but that does more side bends and twists, which is really lovely because you don't, um, you don't often get that in a lot of exercise. You don't get much rotation unless you're a tennis player or something. It's usually quite linear, you know, cycling, running, walking is quite front and back. So those two are very Googleable and easy to, to follow. The other things you can do is stuff literally in your chair. So, and you find yourself doing this anyway. So you might sort of reach up above your head, do a big old stretch out with your arms out behind you. You might grab the armrests of the chair or the desk, depending on you know, what your situation is, and help use your arms to push yourself around into a twist and look all the way over your neck shoulder to make, sure, to make sure that you're getting a full rotation from the base of your spine all the way up to the top of your head. There are little things like that doing both sides, back bends, forward bends, rotations, and deep breathing. That'll really, really reset you. Um, if you can do them every hour, it literally takes a minute. And of course, getting up and walking around gets the blood to your legs as well. And, and and do other things make an impact such as rolling you know if you roll your ankles and or you know flex your pelvic muscles do they do they make an impact or is is it, and if so how much do you need to do that for well you've got to remember that you know we were never designed to sit at a desk you know, let we were supposed to move all the time that's what we've always done sitting at a desk is just you know one situation we could be sitting in we could be at the bus driver or whatever and um, so yes any movement will help again physiologically it helps People get swollen ankles from sitting too long. And simply the solution to that is to rotate the ankles regularly because the blood flow, the blood pumps, the heart pumps out blood, but it doesn't suck it back in again. What brings the blood back to the heart is our muscle movement that pumps our blood back up through our veins. So if we don't have any movement, then we're not using our muscles, then we're not keeping our circulation going. And again, that's why we feel lethargic and our brain goes a bit fuzzy. Um, so yes, absolutely. Do bum squeezes. You know, Kylie said that she got her butt from doing bum squeezes, which I don't entirely believe, but I'm sure it was one component <laughs> of her massively intense workout system. Um, so yeah, absolutely. All the little things you can do if you feel really restricted, you know, jump up and down if you, if you feel safe enough to do that and you won't knock the printer over. Um, anchor rotations, marching up and down. You can even look up things like chair yoga or chair-based exercise, which tends to be for older people, but it still gets your blood pumping. There's a, one of the questions was asked, is there like a formula in terms of for every hour of sitting, you should do X amount of exercise. And I think that's possibly at least to have some sort of way of measuring how much exercise they're doing. Mm. I'm going to assume I know the answer to this one, but is there? You know what there is, but I don't know the answer to that. Either. Oh, okay. No, I was going to go with no. I didn't, I didn't think there was, but I guess it varies from, but uh, it'd be interesting to know if there was one. There's probably, you know, this study said that and this study said the other. What I would probably go on is what are your normal working patterns and how long do you honestly think you can concentrate for? 
I think the concentration uh, timeline is usually 45 minutes or an hour and a half. It depends on, you know, which, again, which study you look at or what your working periods are like. Um, and go with that, I would say. If you're really struggling to concentrate or you're reading the same sentence three times, it's definitely time to get up. So if you measure that with yourself on an average day, then you know how often to do it. I certainly wouldn't say sitting longer than an hour and a half is any is particularly brilliant for you. So I'd say do it that at least that often. But by then you'll probably need the loo anyway, uh, or you know need to eat something, or you would have been disturbed by some you know something else. You can also say if you're on the phone, you could make a policy of just standing up whenever you're on the phone. Um, no, that makes sense. And there's also standing desks as well. Um, this variable uh, again, you can stand as badly as you can sit badly. Well, so this this leads me to a kind of question, if I may interject here, because a lot of uh, so some questions have been around things like ergonomic mice and wrist support, sit stand desks, etc. Um, you can spend a lot of money on these things. Getting you know chairs themselves can be incredibly expensive. I mean, and and, and I suspect they work better as a result. I don't know. Um, so you know, what do we need to what do we need to buy, if anything? Well, it's a bit like. It, dep- it does depend on the individual. So I don't want to make any judgment on anyone who massively benefited from a particular ergonomic mouse because we're all starting from a different start point. Sure. Generally speaking, however, it's a bit like trainers. You don't run well because of your trainers. You run well because your body's in good condition. So I wouldn't go out as your first port of call and buy a 500 pound chair and, and think that that's going to solve the problem because it's not going to. Mm. It might be the fact that you're working 14 hour days and never getting up. It might be the fact that even though you do lots of exercise, you're a cyclist. So the muscles at the top of your thighs or the bottom of your hips are very tight. And so that affects your posture as well. So your hip flexors, I would give you a stretch for that instead. Um, again, the chair isn't going to change that. Yes, it can be prescribed to relieve the symptoms of a problem. But again, you would always want to well. What I try and do with physio is to get to the root of the cause of the problem, which might be your posture or it might be a pre-existing condition that you didn't even know you had had until you sat at a desk for nine hours with it um and so on and so forth what i so don't go out and buy stuff get yourself assessed properly and you might find that just literally heat pack to your shoulder is what you need or a bit of a strengthening exercise for a particular part of your body to help support your posture um it might be that sometimes you have a job that you just cannot avoid that load on your body and yes then you might want a nice soft wrist report wrist support you might want to have an ergonomic mouse that costs a little bit more because you can't avoid those demands of your job you just have to keep working and i appreciate that if you're writing a book and you're having to do really long days and you've got a massive deadline and it's stressful yeah you know buy some buy some things to make you feel better and alleviate those symptoms but as soon as you have the opportunity work in some exercises to your life that are actually going to make your body stronger and more robust alongside the improving the posture and the setup of your desk that will stop that problem occurring in the first place. There are two more questions I want to ask. One of which is that whatever happens, you know, no matter how much we take on board, we might be in a situation where we start to get wrist pain or it could be neck pain or back pain, whatever. At what point do we then call you? Um, So we normally, well, every time I see a patient, I ask them how bothersome this issue is. And it's usually, we call it the visual analog scale, which is zero to 10. How bad is it? And some people go, oh, I'd say at least a nine out of 10. And other people will be screaming in pain before they even considered a six. So it's, it's very subjective. But generally speaking, if it, feel, if it gets a sort of three or four at its worst and it goes away again overnight and then it starts to build up again through the day, that's something I think if it goes on for longer than a few weeks, it would still be worth addressing because it's great to nip it in the bud. But if you know that's a problem for 
you know, a particular stressful period of time, a project you've got to get finished, and it's only going to be a couple of weeks, and you've never had it before, and it goes away straight after that's finished, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. If it's something that's persistent, if it's something you're having to take any painkillers for, if it's something that's, that's stopping you doing other things like playing sports, or if it's catching you at weird moments. So one, one um, really interesting symptom of a rotator cuff problem, that's the deeper muscles of the shoulder, is that you can do very strong stuff at the gym, but reach up to get a mug from the cupboard and your shoulder twinges. And so odd symptoms is when you would come and see a physio as well. Not just the obvious stuff. Oh, I lifted something heavy, my back hurts. I'll rest and stretch for a few days, it's much better. If you're getting symptoms that just don't fit, then it's definitely time to see somebody or at least ask somebody, um, you know, have a phone call, have an online consultation, that kind of stuff. Or try a few things yourselves like stretches or sleeping in a different position or whatever. Uh, which uh, leads us to the end of the day. We've sat better, thanks to your guidance. Um, we've uh, taken on more exercise and looked after ourselves, thanks to your guidance throughout the day. We get to the end of a long day working on ours or our clients' business. Um, what should we do to our body? I mean, should we get up and go straight for a run or, or a walk? Or, or, or is there something more specific in terms of stretches like a, an athlete might do bef after, a, after or before a, a, an event? There's one particular stretch that I think is invaluable for anybody who sits at a desk all day, and that's a hip flexor stretch. So if we're sitting at this position that's just off 90 degrees, um, our body's upright, our knees are out in front of us, and our, knee, and our feet are sort of, again, 90 degrees-ish at the knee, then that's going to tighten up our hamstrings, and it's going to tighten up our hip flexors, so the top of our thighs, effectively. Um, so are you able, have you got room to do any exercise there, Ed? I could go for a short run. <laughs> but I think we might lose signal if you did that. Um, <laughs> if you could um, bend the knee, yep. <laughs> as in if, if you were able to wheel away your chair and get on the floor. Right. Um, oh, okay. Yep. So on my knees. On one knee. So on one, one knee in front. Of you. Yep. Right. Yep. Bend the knee, not both knees. Okay. And now, if you if you sort of pull up, pull yourself up tall. Do you feel any tightness in your lower back or in the front of your leg? Tightness, no. Well, actually, yes, a little bit. A little bit. I'm, my right knee is on the floor and I can feel on the front of my leg a little bit of tightness in okay. there, yes. So now if you squeeze your buttocks, yep. does that enhance that tightness or the, does it give you a stretch in the front of your thigh? It does, yes, very much so. Okay, so that means that your, your quads or your thigh muscles have become a bit shortened and tightened simply because they're in that static position each day. And that in itself, the position you're in now is a nice stretch and adding the butt squeeze and holding that for say 20 seconds and maybe even leaning slightly forward into a little bit of lunge, you'll be able to play with it and get a, get a bit more stretch through the front of that hip, keeping yourself nice and tall and upright. That is a really lovely stretch to do for both sides for 30 seconds to a minute to just stop the build, the gradual creep of this um, building up tightness in the hips. Because you know, the classic old person um, sort of sign is, is a person who's very bent over and that bending forward starts when your hip flexors are tight the pelvis tilts forward as you stand obviously not when you're sitting because then you then you're back um, but yeah that kind of has its effect all the way up the spine so we if we open up at the hips then our upper body and our lower body stay in a straight line rather than getting kind of bent over Amazing. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for the consultation. I mean, in, in chat, I'm in chat. Um, it's, um, it's been immense talking to you and uh, some really useful. And what I like is it's such simple tips and exercises too. But I think what we've also done, you've dispelled some of the uncertainty about what we need to do and, and, and what we, uh, yeah, the specifics of how we look after ourselves. So, so thank you very much for that. Um, is there anything I've missed in terms of, um, you know, focuses on from a freelancer's perspective? 
I just wanted to return to um, stunning chairs because I know that somebody specifically asked about that. Um, just as a, as a coverall, again, it is different for everybody. I know lots of people who use them who love them because they're quite... Athletic. You mean the standing desks? Sorry, stand, what did I say? Chairs. Standing chairs. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we knew what you meant, but I just wanted to clarify. I think that's probably... I wasn't good. trying to pick a hole. <laughs> standing desks, um, I think they're great, but it's very easy to stand or to fatigue in standing quickly if you're not used to standing a lot. So going back to the very beginning where we talked about this argument in physio, whether a posture is good or posture is bad, um, the outcome of that discussion, because some people are never going to agree, is, is, is actually an agreement that just variety of posture is good. So when you're at your desk, yes, achieve the most efficient, relaxed, upright posture you can. And again, bring everything to you so you're supported in a good position. Don't feel you have to hold yourself bolt upright, you know, intense about it. Bring the chair to you, bring the desk to you, bring the mouse to you, bring the screen to you, and therefore you won't have to do as much work. A standing desk is the same. Make it sure it's the right height for you. Make sure you're not sort of just standing, leaning on it asymmetrically. That's fine, but don't spend nine hours in that position. Uh, and, and a good standing desk should have an up and down, which means you can sit when you fancy it. There's nothing wrong with sitting. The only thing wrong with sitting is doing it for 12 hours a day. And the same goes for standing. Fabulous. Uh, that's a uh, hugely uh, uh, valuable advice. Uh, thank you very much for that, Kat. We're going to put all the links of how people may get in touch with you um, after they've listened to this. But what's the best way? Well, on maternity, so don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the best way is probably via my email address, which I'll put in the links, okay. and which you can find on my website. Um, I'll be back, com coming back to work a bit in September time. So as of then, I'd be very happy to hear from you. Uh, I've also, I'll send you a link of a video that I did, which just talks you through all of that posture stuff from floor to floor to ceiling. Um, so you can sort of see me doing it and you can work, work that out for yourself in your own office. And for anyone listening through Spotify or iTunes, etc., uh, that will be on the show notes at freelance-heroes.com. Um, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to answer the questions of the Freelance Heroes community, Cat. It's um, uh, invaluable advice. I, I suspect we might pick this up again at some point in the not-too-distant future too. But uh, uh, congratulations again uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your maternity leave. And, um, uh, and yeah, good luck for when you go back uh, to practicing and consulting again in the autumn. Thank you very much. It's lovely to chat to you, Ed. And you. Thanks very much to Catherine there uh, for what was, as I said at the start, our very own personal uh, physiotherapy lesson or session. Uh, so I'd love to know which of her tips you're going to put into action and uh, what's going to change as a result or what you do yourself uh, to keep yourself physically well during the uh, during your, our increasingly sedentary lives, as I say. Uh, so do email me podcast at freelance-heroes.com. Coming up in future weeks, we're looking at scaling our business. We're looking at sales. We cover uh, presentation skills and more as well, networking too. So if you've got any questions you'd like me to ask, then do, or topics you'd like me to cover actually, then do email me podcast at freelance-heroes.com um, or as I say, search for the Freelance Heroes hashtag across Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn as well. So uh, thanks very much for listening once again as ever and I love reading your comments too. Have a great week and I'll see you again next time. Bye for now.